everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. God bless you, Otis Jane. God bless you, Pastor Griffin. How are you today? I'm doing good. Good. What is the noise there? That's uh, TV in the other room. I'm going on to shut the door. Okay, because yeah, I'm going to have to mute you. Or, yeah. Are we the only ones on the call so far? Yes, sir. Okay. You can't hear it now, can you? No, I can't. Okay, good. Praise the Lord to everybody. 
God bless you all. I don't know who's on the call. Um, uh, Elder Shank and uh, not sure who else. Uh, we're going to be waiting for uh, Prophet Cole to come. I'm here. Oh, that's you? Amen. Bless yeah. you. How are you? I'm good. I was like, wait, am I on the right thing? <laughs> yeah, you're on. Amen. I uh, thank the Lord. Amen. For um, uh, those of us, there's, there's everybody starting to log in. And uh, so we thank God, amen, for this uh, Thursday evening's Apostles' Roundtable, um, a kingdom forum that uh, the Lord, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in December of uh, 2013, I believe, the Lord told me to uh, start a uh, uh, teleconference or whatever uh, to... Uh, reach out to leaders, and so uh, we thank God, Amen, for um, this uh, forum uh, tonight, and we thank the Lord for those of you that are uh, logging in and calling in. Um, we're going to ask uh, Prophetess Bahadi. I think you're on. Uh, would you uh, open up with prayer, please? If you're logged in yet, Amen. Or perhaps not. Uh, but Jerusha, you're on, aren't you? Yes. Would you uh, please open up with prayer, please? Certainly. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness towards us and your patience with us. Father, we desire that this um, time would truly bring glory to your name. Father, give us wisdom and discernment. Father, enable us to hear what you would have to say through each and every individual. Father, I just ask that you just bless each and every one who is participating. And, Father, that you would bring those that you want here. And we just ask that you be truly glorified in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. 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 Uh, thank you, Jerusha. Amen. We uh, greet everybody uh, tonight uh, here from uh, Cleveland. Uh, we're on the Apostles' Roundtable, and tonight... Um, I've been trying to uh, get this person to uh, come on the call and uh, be type of a moderator and, you know, just bring forth uh, what uh, the Lord uh, would give her. And I'm speaking about uh, Prophetess Paula Cole. Uh, Prophetess amen. Paula Cole, amen, I met probably only uh, three months ago. And uh, she has uh, made a uh, great spiritual impact. Uh, in my life, and uh, I thank God, Amen, for His timing, Amen, uh, for allowing Amen her to come uh, in this season of my life, which is a very crucial season in my life, a very impactful uh, spiritual season uh, in my life. Uh, we are uh, the Apostles Roundtable, as everybody knows. Uh, there's freedom and liberty here. We are here trying to sharpen, you know, iron sharpening iron. We're here to edify the body of Christ and uh, reach out to uh, leaders. Um, we are trying to also be very mindful of everyone else except the moderator, of course. Uh, Prophet Cole is going to come in any uh, way she uh, has been instructed to come, and we're going to follow her lead and I would not be surprised that God can do and will do anything, amen, on this call. 
tonight's topic, Saints of God, as those of you that looked on Facebook, is the uh, path of healing for a prophet. And so uh, here from Cleveland, I just want to introduce everybody uh, to Prophetess Paula Cole as she comes in her own way. God bless you, Prophetess. Yes. Amen. Um, I thank God for Apostle Mark Griffin. He's right. We just met um, maybe like three months ago at a conference that was held by Pastor Belinda Bowman um, so that people could come and hear what God was saying for the for the new year. Um, it's a very awesome um, time in God, and, and I loved how I love when prophets come together. Um, I love prophetic companies. I love when prophets come together because uh, th- when they come from different places and they're all saying, you know, the same vein of what God is saying. And that is just so awesome to see how you can be in different places and God can speak to each one of us individually but corporately at the same time. Um, that is just something that never ceases to amaze me. I don't care how long I go in God. It's just I, I just love that about him. Um, but one of the things that I have noticed with prophets and being with prophetic companies is that there are a lot of prophets out there who are operating um, out of pain. And the church, unfortunately, um, will often look at a, a, per, a prophetic person. Well, let's just start from the beginning. Most prophets, when they come on the scene, as very much people know, especially if you are a prophet, you look crazy. So one of the things that people have a problem with is that some prophets, as they're going through their process, it doesn't make sense to them. Um, you think, okay, first of all, you know, it just gets to the place where the prophet is, is trying to understand why they're they're going through the things that they're going through, and sometimes the church doesn't really understand um, that's why I love when prophets hook up with apostles. Um, the apostles have just this anointing to really help the prophet stay in line. <laughs> so um, now that doesn't mean that the prophet has to start glorifying or idolizing the apostle, but we're going to talk about that a little later on about the process of, of being um, I don't want to say independent because that we got enough Lone Ranger prophets and renegade prophets out here, um, but I will say they have to remain somewhat neutral or I would say the word individual, but they have to be corporate at the same time. So that is where the balance of a prophet gets to be a little, a little skewed because they have to know how to stay in line with God and keep that alignment with God, but also function in the local church or function in the body of Christ, and that's where the problem starts to come in with a lot of prophets, especially if they're not healed. Um, we chose the scripture, Psalm 105.15, uh, which people say this all the time, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. And a lot of people in leadership have used that to say, you know, when, and let's just be honest and call a spade a spade, most of the time when they're doing something wrong in leadership and somebody says something, they say, well, that's not my anointed. Well, you're not really being walking to the anointing. You're just being annoying because you're not following the will of God. And let's just call a spade a spade. We've seen this in the church. Um, 
you know, where people are not not following the will of God. But do my prophets no harm was the part that caught my attention. The do my prophets no harm. Most prophets will tell you if they've been in the kingdom of God long enough that most of their wounds, now they probably have grown up with rejection all of their life, um, but most of their wounds are church wounds. The rejection that they feel with, from the church uh, trying to remain in the body and different things like that, but it gets to the point that for some people it becomes very, very overwhelming to them the amount of rejection that they take. I think what prophets don't understand sometimes is that because of that relationship, you're the mouthpiece of God. God has to be able to speak to you and then through you. Because of that relationship, um, I choose this word carefully, that special relationship with God, our process seems to be somewhat different than a person who is, especially those who hold the office of a prophet. Our process is different than that, than just the believer who is uh, moving in the with the spirit of prophecy um, that every believer has. So let me, let me just tag that right there. Um, the ministry, the prophetic ministry, um, versus the office of the prophet. This is another way that things get really, really skewed in the Bible. I mean, not in the Bible, but in the church. Because we have a lot of people who every believer can prophesy. That's, that's the scripture. Every believer can prophesy. You you have that access to that gift. You can do it. Every believer has the ability to decree and declare the curse and blood. They have that capability. And that is something that we're starting to see. I, I, I really love when everybody in a church learns about the prophetic. Whether they hold the office or not, they still need to learn how to operate that gift. And they need to learn how to operate that gift with precision um, and with understanding and knowledge of it. So every believer should learn how to operate in the prophetic, but not every believer holds that office of that prophet. Now, when you get to... Um, and I usually get this question, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause right there for a second. Does anybody have a, a question as it relates to the ministry and the office? No? We're all good with that one? Now, no. Saint, now Saints, this is going to be uh, interactive, so uh, please throw your questions at her. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. So the prophetic ministry, I'm going to briefly just touch on this so people have an understanding of it. It's what you do, okay? It is the 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 function, so to speak. It's what you do. It's that word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning the spirits. I'm finding that the gift of faith is often an operation in this part of the ministry. It's usually performed within the local church or a church in your region. Now, the office of the prophet signifies his or her position in the body. They're not usually just called to the local church, but they've been given to the body of Christ as their ministry. You A lot of times you'll see them go out from their local assembly because their job is to prepare um, and help groom the bride of Christ for the bridegroom. Our job is to bring the church into that place of perfection, unity, and maturity. And one thing that most prophets do not like is immaturity. <laughs> they don't like immature. They don't like immaturity as it relates to the believer, people not walking in the fullness 
of uh, God's glory because they know God has spoken to them where the church is supposed to be, where the body is supposed to be. And their their job, um, their ultimate job is to turn the hearts of men back to God. Unfortunately, what we often see right now in the office, in the office or the ministry of the prophetic, it, it's it's it needs to be purified. Let's put it that way, because there's a lot of taintedness going on because we have prophets and people who are functioning in the ministry of the prophets. Let's let me take a step back. There are people who are not called to the office of the prophet but they are operating in the office of the prophetic illegally. They have the ministry as far as they're a believer who can prophesy, but because they do it a lot, people have tagged them as a prophet, and that's not necessarily always true. So you get the things that are skewed when it comes to the office of the prophet um, that's going on, and one of the things that helps iron some of this out is when you get into the character of the prophet. Um, ooh, that was loud. <laughs> but one of the things, um, yes, I'm sorry. Oh, I thought someone said something. I'm sorry. Um, one of the things that, let's take a step back to, Psalm 105.15, where it talks about, do my prophet no harm. And that, that scripture actually is in First uh, Chronicles 16.22 as well. So it's not my anointing, do my prophet no harm. Um, prophets need healing. I am a firm believer that when prophets start to really be recognized, they really start recognizing that the gift and the calling and they're going through that process of making a gift and calling an election sure, they need to go through a deliverance process. Because most of the time when you get profit, especially young profits, people who are just coming into the body of Christ and they're starting to open up to that gift, they come with a bundle of baggage. It's a lot of baggage that comes with them because of all the rejection, all the the pain that they've gone through, all of the hurts, they, they're wounded, they're broken, but not in the, the I'm broken unto the Lord. It's like a, a breaking that the enemy has done to them. And what they really have to um, really have to do is go through that process of deliverance so that when they start walking in the office of the prophet, they're walking as a healed prophet and not a damaged and wounded one. Many of the prophets that um, are out here today, they're prophesying, but you can hear the anger, you can hear the bitterness, you can hear the rejection, and, and I'm going to hit this thing with rejection real quick. You, prophets, part of, our, part of our mantle is the rejection. It just comes with the territory of being a prophet. It is what it is. As it relates to the prophet, you're going to be rejected because everybody does not want to hear a true word from God. Get over it. That's the best way that I can put it is because it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. So when I start seeing prophets wearing rejection as a badge, that starts to bother me because then it becomes 
Well, I know the people don't want to hear me. I mean, because, you know, and then, because, I mean, and that start, they get into this whole thing of anger and re- it's all this rejection and they're wearing rejection in the back. You ain't got to receive me. You ain't that. Listen, sometimes, and I, we probably should have discussed this. I am a person who is very direct in what, in what I say. Sometimes it is not necessarily the people. Sometimes it's just you. The rejection is stemming from you having a fear of rejection. You don't like yourself, and then you wear that as a badge, and you always, you got this everybody's coming against me complex. Sometimes it's not them. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I have made some profits that it's not the rejection of the people. It's just you're a jerk. You are, you, people are, they can be mean-spirited. They have all this bitterness. They they have this um, conspiracy complex. They just, they got issues. And it has nothing to do with anybody else, but it's because they haven't gone through the process of healing for themselves. So it's not always everybody else. Sometimes you have to look at yourself and say, what part am I contributing to this? You know, Apostle Christman, but let me know if we, when we can interject. This is Pastor Melinda. Well, and you know, just ask, uh, just ask Prophet Cole. Go ahead, Pastor Melinda. Yeah, how are you? I was just, uh, I just wanted to comment on what you're saying just now. That mm-hmm. uh, I think what you're saying is just part of what I call our our need to be a people pleaser. Yeah, it's very common. You know, we want to be liked. We want to be accepted. Uh, we don't want to say anything, you know, to make people upset. And that's not just, like I said, an issue with a prophet or the prophetic office. It applies to pastors, uh, you know, ministry in general, or even just people in general. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons why we see it, and what you're saying is true, one of the reasons why we see it so prevalent in the in the prophetic though is because what the prophet is called to do. And because yes. they, they absolutely cannot be a people pleaser. You know what I mean? Even though pastors and different things like that, but when a prophet is a people pleaser, oh, it's a ugly. It is ugly. It is ugly because they're going to give very soulish prophetic words. And th- and this is where you get people tipping off into false prophecies because they're trying to please the masses because they're grappling for any crumbs of acceptance. And, and we're actually going to um, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, so I'm glad you brought that out because you kind of reminded me uh, about in the Bible with the young prophet and the old prophet. Um, so... There, there are things that, like I said, people need to go through that that healing process. And I, I think this is really where your past, if you have a pastor, if you're not with an apostle, you have a pastor. I, I really hope you're with a pastor who really understands the prophetic, who can really help you walk through these things. Because the best thing, I had a pastor who had an apostolic call of her life, and she was the first person to help me. Um, recognize the gift. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't know why I was seeing stuff and why things, you know, why I was seeing stuff and, and, and why 
the church was happening, and I was just like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. It was, 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 and I started to think, I'm going crazy. I'm, something is really wrong with me. I'm going to have to go get medication or something. And and because if anybody knows what I do for a living, I, I work for a community mental health agency. I have my own business in which I provide services to individuals with mental health and developmental disabilities. So I see this all the time. And if you look at it based upon what I do in the natural, you'll be like, okay, I need a doctor's appointment because I'm hearing voices or I'm hearing this voice, I'm hearing this, I'm seeing this, and this is this is a little bit much. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, if you know a prophet and they feel like that or you see a budding prophet, you can be in a help and just tell them, baby, you're not crazy, <laughs> nothing wrong with you, you might be a prophet, you know. Um, but she helped me walk through the first part of she helped me walk through the first part of my deliverance process. And I, I I'm perfectly honest with people. I tell people, you know, some people when they find out they're a prophet, you know, they be breaking down crying, jumping, shouting around the church. I threw a temper tantrum. A bona fide temper tantrum at my pastor's house. She was like, Are you are you finished? Sitting around on the couch like, no, I absolutely did not want to be told. And I knew it was because it was confirmed on the inside of me. I knew it to be true when she said it, but I just didn't want it because what I had seen of the prophetic was craziness. You know, let me help you out. There's no such thing as prophetic lateness. You're on your own timetable. No, you're just late. You're just late. You got a problem with being late. There's no, I'm on the, I'm on a different timetable because I'm a prophet. No, you're late. Um, prophetic clothing. You know, just all these different things that people do because they're trying to find themselves or they're trying to find some kind of way to be accepted. And all of this is just our flesh acting silly, trying to trying to get some type of glory. And this is one of the the uh well I'm gonna say it's the only one, but I mean there's there's if you're looking for glory in a prophetic, you 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 for yourself, you better keep looking for something else because it is not a glorified position in the sense of you're gonna be bringing glory to yourself. Now there are people who are out there who seek to do that because they're people pleasers, but it ain't pleasing to God and it's not releasing the glory of God. Um one of the attributes, I would say this, of the prophet is that they love the glory of God. They love to be in the presence of God. They love when the spirit can move, when there's freedom and liberty in the spirit to move. They love that type of thing. When they sit places, I'm sorry? Excuse me. Continue, prophetess. Okay. Um but I think, um, but when they sit places and there's no freedom, there's no liberty, they'll find themselves very, very miserable. They they really will. They will find themselves to be very miserable when the presence of God is not somewhere. And um, and and so that can bring some wounds sometimes. And especially when you're in a church and, and nobody is really helping you 
understand the office, understand your gift, understand your process. That's why I say it's really, really good to be with a leader who can help you through that process. Um, what I'm finding, unfortunately, is because the prophets have been harmed. They have been harmed a lot of times in the church. And let's talk about that that word harm here. Um, because in the, the Greek and the Hebrew, it talks about to be bad, to be displeasing, sad, injurious, wicked, evil, to do an injury, mischief, break, shatter, broken in pieces, broken asunder, spoiled, make good for nothing. And sometimes when I think about some of the things that some churches have done to prophets, unfortunately, they have made them good for nothing. They well, it's like, it's like, if I could interject, uh, sorry about that. Um, first, first of all, the vast majority, this is Pastor Melinda again, there's a vast majority of the church does not even believe in the apostolic and prophetic. Uh, they're not going to accept that, the office of a prophet, because... Um, first of all, uh, the, the prophetic office is, is powerful, and uh, the average pastor who doesn't believe in that to begin with, they're not even going to acknowledge or recognize it in no. a person, much less help a, a prophetic person uh, with that call on their life. So, uh, you mm-hmm. know, of course, that's why the offices of the prophetic and apostolic complement each other because you almost need an, an apostolic call uh, to even recognize a prophetic call. Mm-hmm. I told you know, had an apostolic call in her life, which is one of the reasons why she could understand it. You know, we still have people who don't accept the apostolic and prophetic, and that's where we who know the truth should be praying for them. Um, yes. We we definitely need to be praying for them so that the eyes of their understanding can be open so that they will be able to receive that and that they take the time to learn how to nurture that gift. You know, there are some pastors who are out there. You know, you have like Pastor Mike Bickle. He, he has a lot of prophets in his church. Um, he doesn't feel he holds the office of the prophet, um, but he pastors prophet. Um, I don't know if he's called to the apostolic or not because I've I've never heard him say that, but I don't know. But I I just know when he uses whatever title he goes by, he uses pastor. Um, So, and and that, you brought up a good point because that's another piece to this too. Whenever I teach the school of the prophets, and I'm teaching to people who are locally at my church, who are in the church with me, and I'm teaching to people who come from other churches, one of the things that I tell people, you can be the catalyst for the prophetic either opening or shutting in your church. That's right. May I jump in here for a minute, please? This is Pastor Cheryl in Richmond. I heard you mention just a minute uh, the apostolic call and the prophetic call. Could you explain the apostolic call to me, please? Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Apostle Griffin, you're an apostle. Explain it. Yeah, Apostle Griffin. There you go. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. Get off the uh, speaker. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Um, let me just go back for a minute. Um, back in the time that Prophet Cole and I met, uh, she 
she prophesied uh, to me that God was calling me to bring um, uh, minister or bring alignment with the prophetic and the apostles um, so that the things that she's discussing tonight would not happen. And we're, we're talking about the apostolic call. We're talking about apostles, um, end time people with an apostolic call. I'm not referring to Acts 2.38. I'm referring to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, you know, verses 11 and 12. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So I believe that's what you're referring to. Is that right, Prophet Cole? Yeah. Um, I think she... Or am I missing the I'm question? Not, well, I want to make sure what exactly is she... Is she asking when you say what is the apostolic call? What exactly are you? What is it? I'm just wondering what what is it that you mean when you say that? Well, what I said a little bit ago, I just meant the office of the apostle and the office of the prophet. Right. Those who who are called to have that. that are called to hold that office of the apostle. Because the apostles okay. and prophets work very closely together. Okay. Um, yeah, because in the New Testament, you you see um, the apostolic, the New Testament is like a gift in the, uh, I'm using the wrong word. So the New Testament function is the, the apostolic comes on the scene, it's a New Testament function. If you pay very close attention to what the apostolic does, the, the tearing down and the plucking up and the planning, um, which most people don't pay attention, you do twice as much tearing down as you do planning. That's a whole other, <laughs> a whole other thing in itself. Um, you also see in the Old Testament the prophet um, in, in Jeremiah, it talks about tearing down and plucking up. So. In the Old Testament, the prophet has somewhat of that apostolic call, which is probably why they function so closely together. But in the New Testament, it's the apostles who are doing that. Most of your apostles operate in the prophetic. They're going to operate in the fivefold ministry. Um, so they have all aspects of that function in the fivefold ministry that you know that they're when they hold the office of the apostle. But the apostles and prophets work very, very closely together, very, very closely. What we are starting to see is because there are so many prophets who have been wounded, um, they're kind of getting away from that. They're, they're kind of becoming their lone, the lone ranger. Um, because of ch- because of church wounds or personal wounds or whatever have you, but they're kind of getting away from that, and they really don't understand that they're supposed to be functioning functioning together with the apostles. Okay, I sure. uh, Apostle Griffin, if I could ask you uh, uh, the other day or one time recently, you mentioned that. Uh, before we yes. had a, a different mindset towards the apostolic and prophetic in, in the Pentecostal church, the uh, closest equivalent to an apostle would be uh, the bishop. If that's a question, well, some movements, you know, there's some uh, Pentecostal uh, movements that do not believe in 
uh, end time apostles, and uh, uh, because of the absence of that truth for centuries, uh, they uh, link themselves to the uh, Catholic ideology of the bishop, and that's why they're the office of the bishop is so prevalent today. And God is restoring the apostolic to the uh, to the church, you know, the apostolic and the prophetic and apostolic uh, mindset and call. And Amen. So I think a bishop, I think a bishop, they considered an overseer of churches or something like a step above uh, being a local pastor. What did you ask a question? What was the question? I'm just commenting on what the idea of a bishop or the purpose of the office of a bishop was and, and that mindset. Well, I think it's just what you described, uh, yeah, an, over, yeah. an overseer. Prophet Cole, go, continue, please. Rex? Um, <laughs> um, all right, so let's see where we are. All right. So and I think, Prophet Cole, I think there's a lot of questions <laughs> in the background, too. <laughs> right, I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get into the old bishop out of style. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a whole other one in and of itself. Um, <laughs> but what you have, it relates to the office of the prophet. You have a, a, well, let me step out of that for a second, because uh, I want to continue on talking about the, um, Prophets and their need for healing. Um, it was so funny because the other day I Googled, you know, just, just to Google it, just to find out, you know, what other prophets feel as it relates to healing. And I, what I found was it was like prophets and healing and deliverance. And it was like all of them performing it on other people. But I was like, um, no, take it back to us. <laughs> like, that's fine, you know, because prophets can move in healing and deliverance by all means. But we have to go through the process of healing and deliverance for ourselves. And what I just came back from a, a, a huge prophetic roundtable in uh, Columbus, and I got to meet, you know, it was prophets there from 16 different states. Oh, whoo. <laughs> that was, it was an awesome thing um, to be among that many prophets and just, the, the, the presence of God, the power of God, the liberty of God, just flowing in different things like that. So um, we were with uh, Apostle John Eckhart, and it was hosted by Apostle Robert Summers up in Columbus, Ohio. So it was an awesome time. But talking to some of the prophets who were sitting at the table with us and just some of the ones that we met in the hotel, I got a chance to kind of, you know, see some of the things that was happening in some of the different regions. And some of it was great, some of it not so great. <laughs> you had prophets who was there um uh at different points in their walk. I don't I don't want to use levels. People who were at different points of their walk. You had some who were who were budding young prophets, lots of um zeal but no wisdom. And you had some who were very seasoned prophets. Um you had some who was there were hurt and, and I mean and, and this is something that we have got to deal with. Uh, one of the people that I bumped into, she processed everything through her pain. Now, all this wonderful revelation is going on, 
But she was processing everything through her through her point of pain. So her perception was skewed. And so she's just like, oh, you said something about the Koji. Oh. I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? Like, did you not hear the five words he said after that? Which was not everybody, but this is the, you know, this is how some things operate in the code. This is how some things operate in the Pentecostal. And this is why prophets get lost and wounded in these movements because of this, 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 and this. He didn't say anything bad about them. He was trying to bring some understanding to people. Like, listen, don't do this to people so people don't keep getting wounded. That's all it was. But because her pain spoke louder than the revelation, she couldn't process anything that was going on other than what was coming through her pain. And that's an unfortunate thing for a lot of prophets. When they process through pain, they process through the point of where they are, and that is it. So when you are trying to work with them and say, um, honey, not everybody is rejecting you, you know, Let's talk about some basic things that you do that you need deliverance from. There's nothing. One of the major pitfalls for a prophet is pride. That's that's number one on the list is pride. It it attaches attaches itself to a prophet, and the prophet has to diligently make sure they are not operating in pride, that they do not become haughty, that they do not fall into that trap of the enemy. Um, the the enemy is always sending Jezebel to kill the prophet. So Jezebel can happen through a man or a woman. It can come through leadership. It can come through family. It can come through ideology. We we have to always, as prophets, make sure we're doing due diligence. Now, we know as a believer we have to do due diligence to make sure that we remain um delivered and we are constantly, you know, laying things on the altar and getting ourselves together. But when a prophet is called to speak forth what God is saying, thus says the Lord, you have got to make sure you are not a tainted vessel. And the wounds that are left open by our rejection or our fear of being alone, um, that people pleasing, our, our, that bitterness, that, you know, the different things like that, we, we have to make sure that we're not leaving the door open for the enemy to ta- attack us. Hello? Yes. Uh, Prophet Cole, I'd like to ask you a question. This is a Prophet Bahati, and uh, we were saying uh, just like, uh, like what you're saying in regards to being hurt, and that it's a path of healing for a prophet. Oh, the questions mm-hmm. I have, there's two questions that I have. Okay, I hear you talking about the hurt that uh, most uh, prophets, and most of the time we do experience a lot of hurt and rejection in the church. So what is the path of healing, and how do you know uh, when you've been healed? One, when you stop operating out of it, um, <laughs> when you – one of the things uh, um, I will say for me is that Coming through all of that rejection, and and when it happens, I don't feel the sting of it anymore. I don't. I mean, it's just like okay, all right. I keep loving you. When I can, when I can love you past how you just tried to make me feel, that's that's where I know in those areas that I'm here. When I don't, I'm not prophesying to people to to hurt them, um, to try to control them. Um, 
I'm prophesying to them because I want them to listen to me better. Um, my focus is on their destinies. I'm not looking at where they are. I'm not trying to condemn them. I'm not trying to control them. I know I'm not operating out of those areas. Um, then I know, you know, you, you've been healed in those areas. And then there's there's a piece of us that we'll just we'll just know because we don't even respond to it the same. When somebody comes to to wound me, it's like I'm gonna pray. I'm really gonna pray for you, and I'm not gonna pray out of my out of my anger. Like you just tried to do something to me. You know what? No, I don't even have that attitude about it. It's just simply okay. Well, God bless you. You know, I'm gonna pray for you. You understand it to be open. I, I'm going to pray for you because I know there's something that, you know, either you don't know or the enemy is trying to blind you to. I pray out of compassion for that person, not out of confirmation, like, yeah, yeah, you're wrong. I don't even have to go through all of that. But I'm praying using the wisdom of God and the love of God that, you know, that we're supposed to operate out of. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay, but then my, my first question is, what is the path of What is the process that you use in order to get to that point to where you are and knowing that you have been healed? Because a lot of times, as you're saying, the prophet, they're, they're speaking or they're prophesying out of their pain and out of their hurt. So what is the process that a person would use in order to get to the path of healing? Okay, let God deal with your character. Letting God deal with your character is, is a major one. Um it's as simple as asking God a question. Okay, you know how we say this prayer all the time. We'll say, God, you know, if there's anything not like me, take it out of me. We've yes. all prayed that prayer. Sometimes you got to ask God, now show me what's in me that's not like you. As you're removing it from me, what is it in me that's not like you? What is it that's not pleasing to you? Because I need to know it so I don't I don't fall into this trap again. And so we have to ask God. I tell people, keep it real with God, he'll keep it real with you. Honesty is the best policy. God already knows it anyway. And if you feel, you know, people say some type of way about something, tell God the truth about it. Don't try to hide behind religiosity or, you know, that's just, no, God, that hurts. That hurts. That bothered me. It reminded me of this. It, it it felt like this. It felt like that. Keeping that open relationship with the Lord and having those conversations with him, that God can start to say, okay, that hurt. But let's go through why that hurt you. Why? Let's let's talk about that pain. Let's let's deal with this. Let me give you let me show you in my word how I can heal you from this pain. Let me give you some scriptures to stand on. So it it takes it back to to us and our relationship with the Lord, that path is going to start dealing with your character. Because too often the prophet starts functioning in their gift and they're accepted for their gift, but nobody deals with their character. And, and the prophet is responsible, number one, to deal to let God deal with their character. So if there is a root of bitterness or the anger or the rejection or whatever, whatever, you deal with it. Hello? I'm here. Oh, okay. 
don't know what my phone just did, but um, um, but the person has to start with their character. God, show me what's in me. That's the beginning question. What's in me that's not like you? Show me, because I don't want this. I want to walk like you, talk like you. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to be a, a vessel of honor, fitted for the master's use. When you start telling God in honesty that you don't really want this stuff, he will start to purge you of the stuff that's not like him, and that will allow you to see things totally different. I have a, a, another question for you also. This just kind of crossed my mind, and I know I kind of run across this uh, uh, sometimes, and I heard that you said earlier that you was in behavioral health. Now, do you think that it's possible for a prophet or a prophetess you know, we know that a lot of the symptoms or, or some of the things that we experience, people can and can appear or seem like or bad similarities to someone having behavioral health issues like bipolar or certain instances. But if they actually have these issues that are really going on with them, because I've noticed that sometimes that, you know, even though they have the gifting or they have the calling of a prophet or prophet, that they do have some mental issues that are really going on that need to be addressed. Ooh. So you're... Your question is, say that again. I'm sorry. I heard the part about the mental health. What was it? If you have, if there's a prophet or a prophet, say like they're they're hurt or the pain or or that they're dealing with, that they like I heard you say earlier that you were uh, been were in mental health, behavioral mm-hmm. health actually. So we know that a lot of times when we're a prophet or prophetess, sometimes it may like you say instance for people hearing voices and those type of things. You know, we know we understand that, but there are times when like of someone that may be actually dealing with some behavioral health issues, they may have have the office or they may be a prophet or prophet, but they do have some type of behavioral health issues like bipolar, uh, uh, some, or ADHD or something like that. So how do you address those issues? And they don't recognize that maybe they may be in denial and they don't realize that that's what's going on also other than them just having a prophetic gift. Well, Prophet uh, Cole, I would say, I would say because because we're prophetic, we always go back to the source of truth, and that's the Holy Spirit. Our guidance, our guidance in dealing in ministry and dealing in deliverance is to follow the path the Holy Spirit directs us to follow and to do. Right. Uh, I just want to leave it like that, you know, uh, because our message is our message, our instructions, our directions come from the Holy Spirit, and even no matter what the no matter what the issue is, whether it's mental health or. Um, Raising of the dead, you know, we follow the uh, voice of the uh, voice of God, you know, through the Holy Spirit. But, but I know I'm giving a general answer, but I think it's also a truthful answer. Right. Um, I have come across people with mental health issues who are uh, who are prophets. Um, uh, that gets over into a whole nother. <laughs> That gets over to a whole other thing, um, how to deal with the mental health in the church, mental people with mental health issues in the church. Uh, and that's, that's a whole other whole teaching in and of itself um, because a lot of churches don't, you know, they, they attribute everything to either they 
don't acknowledge it or attribute it to a spirit, and uh, it it gets a little convoluted. Um, uh, but I will say this: I don't think anything that happens in the natural has is something that's happened in the spirit first. So there is a correlation between the two. Um, but I think when we have people who are dealing with, because sometimes some people are not ready to recognize that. They're not ready to recognize that they have a mental health issue. Um, you have to bathe that thing completely in prayer, um, how to deal with them, how to address that. Um, one of the things that I found for me working with people in the church, um, I started teaching a trauma and inner healing class because I could see a lot of mental oppression that was going on with a lot of people, whether they were prophets or not. It was just mental oppression that was going on in, in, in the body of Christ. And making, um, getting people to deal with their trauma and the things that they needed inner healing on allowed them to get healed in those areas so the enemy could stop having access to them in those areas. So that that would be the way that I, you know that's the shortest answer that I could give for that. Okay. And I, I believe that you you're absolutely right, and uh, that's the answer that I actually I was looking for. And I thank you for that because you did answer it, and I think that's the, the proper way that you should have answered it. And, and that's the exact way the training that they need. Sometimes we you know the manager, the pastor, they don't have time to deal with them. So uh, when we have the opportunity to offer these things, when we have the skills. Uh, and the training to offer these to the to the Christian world, regardless of what position they hold, then it's advantageous for the for the um, body of Christ as a whole. And so, I think you answered it very well. Amen. 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 Um, so, I think, like Apostle Griffin said, we're probably not going to finish all of this tonight. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to. Um, I do want to address at least one prophet that when I looked at, I said, "Boy, does he need some healing?" Um, that was in the that was in the Bible, and um, that would be Jonah. Um, most of us know about Jonah, and, you know, the belly of the whale, and, and and sometimes we talk about Nineveh, but sometimes we skip Nineveh. So it just kind of depends on where you are. But you know, Jonah was in the belly of the whale, and all this other kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things that there's a couple of, uh, when I've studied our prophets in the Bible, there's a couple of things that I've noticed about certain ones, but Jonah in particular um, is one of the ones that I look at to uh, address anger and bitterness. Um, Jonah had the word of God. He had the word of the Lord in his mouth, but he didn't have the heart of God. Uh, when you pay attention to Jonah, Jonah led one of the most successful city-wide revivals in the Bible. But he got a whole nation to repent. Uh, but he failed his ultimate mission because of anger and bitterness. Um, I always use this as a side note when, when I talk about Jonah and, and the people, you know, turning their hearts back to God and, and the people repenting and different things like that. If you don't think the prophetic is relevant in evangelism, you better read the story of Jonah. Um, but anger is one of the quickest ways that a prophet can disqualify himself or herself from ministry. Uh, Jonah was more concerned about being right than the righteousness of God. 
He didn't want God to show mercy on on the Ninevites. Um, and if Jonah, when I looked at this, when Jonah, if Jonah had paid attention to what God was saying to the Ninevites, he would have found out. If you if you read the book of, of Jonah and you see what he prophesied to the Ninevites and that they were going to be destroyed and everything else, actually he wasn't wrong because by the time you get to the book of Nahum, the Ninevites were utterly destroyed because after they repented and turned back to God, they went back to doing what they were doing. They became haughty. They had now God has showed them ultimate mercy. They showed people no mercy when the Ninevites actually fell. When the when they're talking because Nineveh is in Assyria. When they're talking about when the Assyrians were completely annihilated by the Babylonians under me, when they were wiped out, they were like people. The other nations celebrated because they were so awful. They they used to. When you read their history, they used to sit in this room and have the heads of, that they had cut off of the people who had come up against them, and they would have banquet feasts in this room. I mean, they were known for skinning alive people and killing people's children. These are the people that God showed all this mercy to, and they turned right around and used that and said, you know what, we're untouchable. And that's how they lived, and they ended up being destroyed. But Jonah was more concerned about, well, God, I know you just, you, I know you just don't, you know, you they don't repent, you don't forgive me. He had the wrong attitude. All that anger, all that bitterness disqualified him, um, you know, from from doing the will of God. There, you know, anger from God is different than anger from man, and we have to make sure. Um, that when we're giving, this is why people, some people say, you know, prophets shouldn't give judgment words and all this other kind of stuff. And it, and it gets all crazy because when you got immature prophets trying to give judgment words and they're actually operating out of a spirit of anger, a spirit of bitterness, it's going to get ugly. Um, when anger comes from God, that righteous indignation, it's no personal loss. You don't have a personal axe to grind. It comes through one spirit. It's not filled with all your emotions. It's always reconciliatory. In other words, it always looks to reconcile the people back to God, and people will receive the message. When anger, you're prophesying out of anger from man, it originates from your womb. It's judgmental. It's condemning. It doesn't reconcile the people back to God. It lacks peace, and people are going to struggle to receive that message. And anger will always lead a prophet into isolation and rebellion, ultimately rebellion against God. Because James 1 and 2 talks about, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Jonah's anger pushed him to a place where you see him twice at the presence of God. Once when he was in the belly of the well, where he was trying to run from the presence of God. Once when he was in the belly of the well, and once when he ended up underneath the tree. He became suicidal and depressed because of his uncontrollable anger. And all of that was so unnecessary. So... I know we can't cover everything and all this time and whatever have you, so I'm going to stop right there, ask anybody if they have any questions, um, if there's any more questions. Okay. Um, you had mentioned the prophet being disqualified. Uh, is that a permanent situation, 
or a temporary situation? It does not have to be a permanent situation. Um, I've seen people who, you know, that have gone through that process, and when God heals them from that anger and that bitterness, they they can continue on moving in that. They just have to recognize it, uh, repent, get delivered, and and move on. God still wants to use them. They still have a place in them, but they just have to recognize that that's not the heart um, of the Father. Okay. So it doesn't have to be, you know, their their permanent demise if they recognize it. Now, if they get into rebellion and just like, no, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people, and they never look at themselves, then they might stay in that position. Okay. Others that have questions? Amen. I would just also add that healing and deliverance is is ongoing and it's necessary for every child of God, whether you're in the ministry or or what. I mean, we all get hurt in church. Uh, If you're a minister, you get hurt by the people. If you're a saint, you get hurt by by the ministers, by leadership. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, hurts. Uh, happen, and we recognize that offenses will take place. So we just, you know, when we get hurt and wounded and offended and and all of that, we we have to know how to uh, receive our healing and and move on accordingly so that we don't unqualify ourselves, you know, for, uh, for ministry. Amen. Amen. Others that have questions? This is very interesting, amen. No no one else has any questions? Praise the Lord, Pastor. This told me. And uh, I'm not familiar with, what is your name again? Um, we have Prophet Paula Cole on the call. And I know you came on late, but she's talking about the topic, no the path of healing for a prophet. I've been on quite a while, Bishop. Oh, okay. And um, I, I like the area of she discusses anger. And this forward is uh, the spirit of anger being, you know, a uh, you know focal point in ministry, especially in the pastors and those who are in the prophetic. That was a very focal point. That point, and I think it's a very added point. Amen. Amen. Whoever whoever's typing, can you mute? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, any any anyone else? Uh, I'm not. Uh, Pastor Toby, um, are you finished? Oh yes, sir. Okay. So let me let me just uh, let me just look. Um, and uh, just ask, I, I see who's on the call. Uh, do you have any um, questions? Because we're dealing with um, 
you know, one of the reasons I think um, the Lord has had Prophet Cole to bring this up is because it's so prevalent. And uh, people that are called into uh, the prophetic call need to have accuracy and uh, need to deliver a pure, um, uh, untainted word from right. God. And right. so we're discussing this tonight because, um, as Pastor Melinda has said, you know, every a lot of people are talking about, you know, uh, being heard and whatever, and uh, uh, prophets are, need healing too, just like anyone else. I want to say this, that I think, though, that the enemy has turned the ear of the body of Christ to the negative side of being hurt. There's so much talk about being hurt in church away from the love of the Father to his people. And so um, if anybody else has any uh, uh, questions, we want you to uh, make them known now. I just want to interject uh, that what you just said made, made such a valid point. I did not have to, and I know some people's journeys are, are different. I, I'm, I don't know what God told you, but I didn't have to turn away from the church to get my healing. Amen. I still remained in the body of Christ. Um. Sometimes, unfortunately, what I see is people come away from the body trying to get healed, and what they don't even realize sometimes how much more damaged they are when they try to come back. They feel displaced. They feel disowned. Um, they just have all these, these odd feelings. Um, um, their emotions are all over the place. And so the reason I bring this stuff up it's one so the prophet knows their responsibility, but also to awaken the church that we need to be a place of restoration and healing for these individuals, not a place where they just come and get battered and, a, and a, more abused. They've already experienced that in the world. They don't need to come into church and experience that. And we know that for every believer. But when we're dealing with the prophet who this thing targets, 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 because we didn't even get to the point where we talk about Jezebel and Athaliah and how they how they come after the prophet with such such force, um, those spirits that operate as as Jezebel and Athaliah, um, those things wear the the prophet down, and because they have to speak a pure untainted word, there's so much deliverance that is needed. There's so much due diligence that's needed on the prophet's part. There's so much diligence that's needed on the on the church's part to make sure that the prophet stays in a place of healing. I, fortunately, well, I've had my share of woo-woo when it came to leadership, but I've also had people in the body of Christ who surrounded me with the love of God and didn't let me pull away and gave me strength when I didn't have strength, gave me love when I didn't understand love, and kept me in position so that I didn't fall off and get annihilated by the enemy, which was his ultimate plan for me. So it can be done in a church. The church just has to wake up to the fact that it needs to be done. So true, so true. Yes. Uh, anyone else? You know, I think it's a, I think it's a, 
unless the Lord tells you to do this, if somebody gets hurt and then they go and uh, isolate themselves and try to function in that call or office, that's not right. And um, I think at the beginning of this uh, process tonight, maybe the word was used uh, like vagabond prophet or whatever, Lone Ranger prophet or whatever. <laughs> Lone Ranger, you know, meaning, you know, that people get so hurt that they don't want to be around anybody, but they still want to be used by God. And so uh, this is why this calls here. And I know some people that <laughs> I know some people that are just doing that. Amen. And so uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this much. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'll tell you this much. If you if you're a prophet and you're called to the body, how do you gonna say God called you away from the body? So you can so common uh, in terms of not just the prophetic call, but anyone really in in church who has a call of God on their life, and, and we're all called uh, to one ministry or another. Uh, you know, being uh, being uh, saints of God. But anyway, uh, it's so common where people will. Uh, you know, be called to something. Uh, they they don't feel recognized. They don't feel like you know the church is uh, helping them in their call, and so the first instinct is to run away and not be a part of the body. Well, how are you going to be a minister in the body if you don't, you're you're not even in church? You know, and that's so common, and uh, people, you know, who are called by God need to understand that um, God will make a way. God will open doors. God will lead you to the right place where you can uh, walk into your calling. We've all experienced, I imagine, uh, being in church, feeling called by God, uh, and the, the leadership couldn't care less, you know, if you're called, what you're called to. Uh, I think we could all say we. I've gone through that when I was younger in my walk with God. But, you know, God will bring us to the right people. He'll connect us with those that uh, will, will help us and, you know, in our process uh, of fulfilling our, our walk and our call in God. But it's there could be a lot of bumps along the way, for sure. Amen. You just said that um, about uh, um, prophets being hurt and wanting to kind of go off by themselves and that God doesn't have a vagabond uh, prophet. And i just like to read a quote. I was kind of skimming through Facebook while I was listening. And a very trusted um pastor said, if a prophet doesn't demand alignment to God and your local spiritual protocol, don't hear them. And that happened a lot where prophets just, or people that call themselves prophets anyway, think that it's their job to go into a church and tell everything that's wrong and, and then leave. You know, and I don't believe that's how it's supposed to operate. 
there is a mobility to the prophetic ministry, but I, I think what happens is, is that it's, it's even when you see Elijah, he, you know, he has this great victory, he runs into a cave. And, and I think what we have is a lot of times when prophets get hurt or the attacks become too much, they run to a cave. And God is trying to call the prophets out of caves and tell them, you're not by yourself. I've got other people who haven't bowed their knee. There are other people who are, who are here to assist you. There are other people who are here to love on you and, and to help you. And I think what happens is, you know, it, it gets into a lot of, well, I don't call it, like I said, I call it spade to spade. It's a lot of immaturity. It, it really is. It just goes into the place of being immature. You know, we're called to turn a heart to God, a heart to me and back to God. You you. You're called to the body. If you hold the office, you're called to the body of Christ. So if you hold the office of the prophet, how are you going to operate in what you're doing and not doing in, in the body of Christ? If your prophet comes, you know, a prophet comes to your church, the pastor or whoever has to be discerning as to whether or not that word needs to be released. You know what I mean? Does it need to be released at this point or whatever? You know, it's still okay to ask the person, what's the subject matter about? You know, you, if some churches are more the 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 culture is more for the prophetic. You can you can you can have a what we call a risk culture. When I say risk culture, that's a whole another thing. But uh, that you learn about in school of the prophets. But it's it's something where there's an atmosphere that's conducive for prophets to get up and speak. If that's the kind of church that you have, if you don't have that kind of church, then you know. And even with some people who I, if, if we don't know you. You, we, we're going to ask, what is it about? What, what are you getting ready to prophesy about? Because you do have to be careful about stuff that's released over, you know, over your congregation. Not to the point that you're controlling and whatever, whatever, but people do have a responsibility. And it, it comes back to the thing where people need to hear from God. People need to make sure that they're hearing from God. The prophets need to make sure that they're healed before they try to go out and give that type of thing. I have had to go into churches and practice to a congregation. Um, there were some changes that needed to be made, but these people, I didn't do it out of. Y'all better get right because Jesus kind of stole, boom, 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 y'all all going to hell. See, that's not, that's not God. That's, that, was, that was straight me tripping and talking crazy to those people, and then they, they had the right to not receive it. So when a prophet has the mobility part and is going to release things in other people's churches, they have a responsibility to make sure that they're not tainted or they're going to release a tainted message. So it's both people's responsibility. Um, some some prophets... I. Some prophets that I've encountered, and and I've seen pastors let these people get up and release stuff, and I've just looked like, why did you just let them? Now I'm sitting there silently praying, pulling that thing out the atmosphere, because I know it wasn't from God. I know it was just their flesh talking, because they're talking out of their womb. You you understand what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, Sister Hickson? Yes, sir. God bless you. Can, can you uh, please repeat 
um, what you said. And please forgive me, everybody, because as you probably all know, uh, there's communication going on in the background, you know, and uh, I, I didn't hear it all. <laughs> please. Can you repeat, Sister Hickson, what you had said? I got part of it. Uh, I'm actually trying to find the quote, but um, what what I was saying is that uh, it, it was mentioned about, <clears throat> excuse me, God doesn't have vagabond uh, prophets, and people get angry and uh, decide to leave and strike out on their own, and um, then they feel like they can go into a church and say anything that they feel like God has said that, you know, and so they go in to tear down and they just leave. But the quote that I read says, if a prophet doesn't demand alignment to God and your local spiritual protocol, don't hear them. Because God would, he does line things up. Uh, I don't believe that a prophet, a true prophet of God would just come in and say something completely off of what uh, the ministry is doing unless they are way off the mark. But uh, man or woman of God who is truly seeking to lead, um, a, a true prophet wouldn't come in there and just say something that really has nothing at all to do with what, what they're about. I agree. Well, there, there would be a reconciliation. That there would, even if they had to deliver a word that had a judgment in it, it would reconcile the people back to God. It's right. not just going to be doomed. Right. <laughs> yeah, when when it is just straight doing, no chance of repentance, that is not God. Right. Amen. 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 The spirit of the prophet is subject un- under the prophets, so we are to judge one another's uh, prophetic words and also uh, prophets have a, a covering just like we all do. And so basically we're all subject to one another. And if someone goes off down the wrong path and is an error, well, if you have spiritual covering or authority, then that can be dealt with. And that's why spiritual authority is so important uh, because we all need a spiritual covering. I don't care what office uh, or what it is that you walk in. I have a question, and maybe you can help. Uh, if if a prophet walks into a church that is trying to to operate in a fivefold ministry and give a word, does that have to go under uh, advisement from the prophets of the house before they speak it? Should it be in writing? What's the protocol to be able to give a word to the church? That is where you would ask, that is where you would ask you would ask someone in the church. Um, different people have different different things. I have seen where some 
some ministries they wanted them they wanted them they want you to write it down and then they're going to uh, present it to the pastor or the elder or the prophetic team. Sometimes if there's a prophetic team um, in the church, they will have one of the the members just meet with you. Uh, um, just fairly briefly and, and just say, well, you know, what is what is it about, um, you know, and they'll just ask you for a brief overview of it. Um, mm-hmm. But if each church can be different and how they, you know, how they set it up. It just depends mm-hmm. on where the culture of that church is as it relates to the prophetic. Um, if there's somebody where maybe you go into somewhere and somebody can recognize, you know, spirit to spirit, they'll say, okay, you know, that person, God may tell them that person has a word. They, you know, they can let a, um, they'll let the person get up. So sometimes it happens that way. Um, I've been places where I'm not on a program and, you know, I'm not even looking to be on a program. I'm just coming to support whoever. And they'll be like, you know, Father Soul, do you have a word? And it's like, wait, what? So we <laughs> can <laughs> it, can, it can happen that way where you're like, wait, I went, what? You know, it's like you might have had the brief thought, you know, like, you know, God, what are you saying? And it's like, da 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 da. It's like, oh, well, praise the Lord. You know, you you focus on something else, and the people can call you out. It can happen that way as well, you know. Well, you really just have to ask that question. You know, what's the protocol? Um, you know, what's the protocol? In the church, some places they they allow people to just get up and prophesy a word. They just they just do that. Or, or, or another protocol, if I could add to that, is that uh, you know there's the whole concept of the prophetic school, prophetic training, raising up prophetic prayer teams in the local church, and that's very powerful because you want that team ministry rather than, you know, the parking lot prophecy where someone gets up and wants to give a word, but, uh, you know, nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows what they're, what's about to come out of their mouth. And so uh, a lot of times we'll say only those on the prayer team, you know, the, the, the prophetic uh, prayer team are, are to minister. And, you know, so uh, you'll see that often as well in the protocol in the church. And it's not like we don't believe that anyone can or, or could give a prophetic word, but there is something to be said for, uh, you know, the, the prophetic team uh, that, uh, you know, at least people know who they are, uh, you know, and... Uh, I think it's just a safety thing more than anything else. Amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question, Saints. Do you want to continue discussion on uh, along this uh, path uh, next week? Um, because one of the things I would like to also discuss is uh, uh, spiritual alignment, what... Um, Prophet Cole brought up and uh, Sister Hickson brought up about alignment. Um, you know, in the last days, I'd like to discuss that. Uh, so I want to ask you, do you want to continue next week along this path? Yes. Yes. Okay. Amen. Okay. Okay. 
So um, uh, we thank the Lord, amen, for um, Prophet Cole tonight. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I'm going to have to buy you and your husband um, 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 something from McDonald's or uh, or <laughs> or uh, or, uh, or Beachwood Mall. <laughs> Um, yeah. what, about, what about chicken and ribs, uh, Apostle? About what? You talking about ribs? I'm talking about chicken and ribs. <laughs> but I, I think I thank you, uh, Prophet uh, Cole, for uh, sharing tonight. You know, in, in this in this way, you know, she's put out a lot. You know, she shared a lot. We've got a lot of questions and probably more because you know um, they continue to come. But we all know that uh, in the in the body in the ministries, there's different levels of uh, spiritual maturity along right. uh, various. Uh, some churches are giving more giving. Some are more prophetic and more mature in in the prophetic and so on and so forth. Some churches or ministries are more missionary minded. So uh, we're dealing with the prophetic here, and you know we just want to. Um, be right before God. Um, so um, I thank the Lord for uh, you, uh, Prophet Cole, and thank God for everybody that's on the call. I know some didn't sh- didn't uh, um, um, ask questions, but I, I know maybe you have some thoughts, or, or maybe more than one. So we'll we will try to uh, we will make it our goal to uh, do this again next Thursday. Uh, anybody have any one last thing that they want to share or say? Uh, uh, Elder Shank asked a question. He said, is there a protocol on how to present? You know, in other words, are you writing things down or otherwise? Am I not right, Pastor uh, Elder Shank? Yeah. What's the answer? Yes, yeah, that was it, basically. Okay. Yes, yeah, we we answered that one. We just said, you know, ask because there there could be a couple of things in operation. Um, essentially, you can ask someone what's the protocol for giving a word. Um, you know, a lot of times people, uh, a lot of times people. Um, uh, they may ask an usher or they may see an elder or somebody like that, and they'll ask what the protocol is. So, like I said, you might meet with the people, the person from a prophetic team. Um, it just depends on what the culture of the church is. And so it's always best to ask, um, and sometimes people will just call you up to give a word. So you want to make sure that when you go, you're just in order and you do things decently in order, and, and that will open the door. So... You know, you just want to remain like that. Uh, uh, I do want to mention, um, <laughs> uh, and I talked to Apostle Martin Griffin about this, but um, Saturday at uh, House of Glory, which is the ministry that I belong to, yes, I am involved in a local assembly. I submit to my pastors, my apostles. Um, <laughs> we have a school of the prophets from 10 to 1. Um, we are going to be talking about the character of the prophet. We're going to be talking about the different functions of of the prophet in the church because unlike some people believe, 
the prophetic is not just limited to grabbing a mic and giving a word. There are so many different other things that you can do um, as it relates to the prophetic ministry. Um, So we're going to be doing that from 10 to 1, and the address is 2337 Broadview Road, Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know the zip code, but it's House of Glory. It's on the west side. Um, So if you'd like to join us from 10 to 1, it is free. We left it free um, because we wanted people to be able to come and just be blessed, and you can ask questions and different things like that. So, And we do activation. We actually do activation. I do not just teach, and then you just sit there, and then you go home. We do activation. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we 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 follow the Hebraic method of learning. You You have not learned it until you can do it. So there you go. So don't let that deter you because we will work with you if you're, if you're not familiar with how to do it or whatever have you. Uh, we work with people. Um, and, you know, and we deal, we deal effectively with stuff. So, yeah. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Um, this is Prophetess Patricia. Um, I've been listening, and this has been really good teaching. Um, thank you, Prophetess Cole. Um, one thing I... One thing I did want to highlight was one of the golden nuggets that I heard tonight was that true prophetic ministry always reconciles um, people back to Christ. And one thought, and, and I'm not going to keep make it long, but one thought came to mind is just the price that Jesus paid on the um, cross, it determined the value of the people that he purchased. He saw good in all of us, even when we were yet sinners. And I just wanted to say that it really doesn't take a prophetic gift, right, to see sin in sinners or the junk in the lives of Christians, but it does require the eyes of God or prophetic to see broken people like Simon being called a Peter. Simon met broken reed, and God called him a rock. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say that true prophetic ministry is always looking for gold in the midst of dirt in people's lives, right? It's to reconcile people. Right. To, right. to bring God's glory and, and, and highlight the glory of God in their lives, even where, where they're at. So I just wanted to say that. This is a nugget that I kind of pulled out of what she said. Amen. Amen. That's good. Nugget. <laughs> Amen. That's good. That's good. Uh, anyone else before we uh, um, uh, close out, Saints? If not... We thank you again, Prophet Cole, and thank God for all of you uh, tonight that are on the call. We've we've been on the call from uh, Arizona and uh, and Iowa and uh, Oklahoma, Jerusha. We thank God even for you on the call tonight, um, and uh, thank the Lord, Amen, for the saints here in Indiana and there in North Carolina, Amen. We appreciate, Amen, you all. Keep praying for us. Amen. Pray for uh, um, Prophet Cole as uh, she ministers on um, this Saturday and for her um, pastors that I had the opportunity to uh, meet and uh, go there and be with just wonderful, uh, wonderful people. And, I, again, I want to say uh, this is the year that I walked away from my job and the mm-hmm. Lord uh, sent uh, just some wonderful people, amen, in my life and uh, to enhance me spiritually, 
uh, and uh, vice versa. Amen. So I, I'm very appreciative. So we thank the Lord, Amen, tonight, Amen, for His goodness and and this call that we've been on. Uh, this is supposed to be for an hour, and we've been on for an hour and a half, which I thought <laughs> would happen. And uh, we'll try. Uh, uh, we will, Amen, set forth this um, next uh, Thursday. And so uh, iron can sharpen iron, and we appreciate you all and love you all. And, Apostle, if you yeah. would, uh, why, why don't you announce the uh, prophetic school that's going to be happening at your church? Amen. In May, um, we're going to be starting a prophetic school, and Prophet Patricia, who, whom you just heard, will um, be um, very instrumental and key in uh, launching uh, that. Uh, there at EMFI, and um, for those of you in the Cleveland area, Pastor Melinda, what's happening uh, starting Saturday, Sunday night? We're doing revival. We've had revival breakouts uh, this spring. Uh, we had uh, Prophet John Mark Poole coming, and uh, we went for six weeks. We kept extending the meetings. And uh, we took a week off revival this week for everyone to to rest. But we'll be starting back this Sunday, uh, the 26th of April, uh, through Wednesday, 7 o'clock nightly. Uh, Anyone who wants more information, I'm on Facebook, uh, Melinda Bauman, or our church website is WorldwideGCF.com. Our church is called Worldwide Great Commission Fellowship. So we're in uh, full-blown revival mode right now. Come and receive. Amen. Amen, amen. Um, uh, Pastor Earl, God bless you tonight. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Good. Uh, Would you uh, be so kind to uh, close out uh, the call uh, with prayer? And again, Prophet Cole, thank you very much. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to gather in your round table. We just ask that you would bless uh, Prophetess Cole, Lord God, and uh, continue to bless her ministry and, and hear from you. We ask that you would continue to clean our hearts, Lord God, and renew right spirits within us, Lord God, and restore us, Lord God, your wholeness. And we ask that you would continue to bless us with your word so that we may impart it to your uh, designated receivers, Lord God, and make us clean vessels in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, and God bless you all. Amen. God bless. God bless. Amen. God bless. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit